Welcome to episode 38 of From the Shed and Podcast. Myself, T-Dot, joined with Theo and Haida. How are you both doing? Good stuff, man. We've had we've had a really good week, so um, I'm still buzzing, to be honest. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty straightforward question at the moment. How are you? For Chelsea fans, it's always, we're good, you know, with the way performances and results are going. It's it's happy days. Yeah, can't complain, can we? And let's take it all the way back to, to Tuesday. I think we both said Theo on Tuesday when we recorded on the morning. I said 1-0. I think you said 2-0 or 2-1. I, I think, think I might have changed it to 2-1 on the Tuesday yeah, yeah. with the injuries. 4-0. Four, 4-0. Four four <laughs> no. Did any of us see that coming? Because no. I'll be honest, no, I didn't no, no, see no. it. So, no. but, um, I thought really, we'd be lucky to get a win. I thought we'd be lucky. to. I thought it might have been a 1-1 uh, just purely based on, on their defence. But... Mm where that 4-0 and the performance itself, not just not just the numbers of the goals, but the performance was just... Mm, it was yeah. brilliant. It was superb. It was a superb performance. And and to be honest, I think we spoke again, Theo, as well, about Trevor Chalabar. Should he start? Should we bring in um, Christensen and, and go for that? A bit more experience. But yeah, let's let's start with Trevor because he was superb. He was superb for you. I mean, he was... I think... What I like about him, obviously we spoke about him before, he's 22, he carries himself really well. He's brilliant football-wise as well in terms of getting the ball. He can, he's not scared to take the ball forward, take players on. He commands the area as well. He, he's just a brilliant centre-back overall. But talk, talk to me, Theo, about Trevor and, and how well he played against Juventus. He's a brilliant player. Um, he makes his Chelsea debut, wins the Super Cup makes his Premier League debut, sc- scores his goal at Stamford Bridge and keeps, keeps a clean sheet, makes his Champions League debut against Juventus, you know, serial, serial winners, Juventus, scores a goal that a striker would be proud of and then also keeps a clean sheet against, you know, a very good Juventus side. So, yeah, he just, he he's a brilliant player. Um, he's composed on the ball. He's mature, like we spoke about on Tuesday. He... Um, he brings a lot of calmness as well to the game. You know, you see sometimes defenders and they kind of, I don't want to call out names, but, you know, maybe a bit more Malong Sarr, he kind of shows a bit more inexperience at times when he's on the ball. You're a bit more worried. But with Trevor Chalaba, it's completely not the case. He's he's composed, he's mature on the ball. And similar to other players like Rhys James, like Hudson Adore, I think they'll just keep on getting better with every time, they, every game they play and every kind of, season they complete because you have to remember this is Trevor Chalaba's full complete season now I mean he's, he's completing it at the moment in the senior men's squad so um, better things to come as well which is really really promising from a Chelsea perspective yeah and he definitely took his goal well and um, yeah I was I was surprised to see him on the team sheet I know I said I'd start him but to actually see him in a game with that much experience on the pitch from a Juventus perspective and also from our perspective as well but to see to see him start and look so comfortable like he looks obviously a lot of people are going to say that's down to Thiago Silva being next to him and you know he's learning off Silva Rudiger Christensen who are all all experienced but he he looks comfortable he looks like he's at home at Chelsea and obviously that's because he's been there I think maybe since he's seven or eight years old he's been there for that long so um, Haida I'll come to you as well defensively we were brilliant but going forward talk to us how good we were going forward as well just quickly on uh, on Chalabar, I went to watch Chelsea Tottenham at pre-season uh, this season and he started and that was the first time I've ever seen him play. And within about half an hour, my brother was with me and I, and I said to him, I said, I said, you see this defender right here, he's going to break through into this team this year because 
the way he was so composed and how he read the game, you know, the ball would come to him and it would just be head up and away it goes. You know, there was, there was no dwelling. There was no, didn't seem like he was nervous. He just seems like he fitted into that team. And I personally would put that down to uh, uh, the defenders around him and the management. Um, you know, he's, he's, he seems like his temp, like, like you were saying, Theo, his temperament seems to be on point. Um, and I think that's vital. I think that's vital when you're in, when you're in this type of uh, uh, league. Going forward with the attack, I mean, it was just, we were just, do you know what I mean? I was just watching and I was thinking, oh, come on. Like, this, this my, I was watching at my missus's house and she was, she was even looking at it. She was like, you guys are going crazy. And, and it was just attack after attack after attack. And it seemed like Juventus had no way out. You know, um, every time they would try to clear it, like our line was on the halfway line. And the way we were pressing it, it was like we were men on, like men possessed. Um, and I feel like, I feel like, you know, the, the game against Man City this season, um, I feel that was the change. That was where, that was where we kind of changed the mindset of we can't go into games against big teams thinking that they might come to us. We have to take it to them. Mm. And every game that every big game that we've played since, even the Liverpool game, you know, when um, we, we were down to 10 men, we still, we were still going at them, you know, and I, and I love this mindset of we're fearing nobody anymore. And that's what it looked like with the attack. There was zero respect and there was zero fear from the players. And going forward, I think that's only going to be, uh, uh, that's only going to be amazing for us. And it's interesting as well, because you look at the, the players that started and the players that didn't start, you know, you look at obviously no Lukaku, no Havertz, those kind of plays that, you know, some teams would potentially miss if they didn't have them in that squad against Juventus. But, you know, we didn't have an out-and-out striker on the pitch and we still managed to score four goals. Four of them coming from, obviously, um, carbon sort of developed players in terms of Reese James, Chalabar and Callum Hudson-Odoi, who I thought was exceptional. I thought he, he, he had Quadrado on toes all the time. He just, he, I think Quadrado gave up about half an hour into it. He just thought, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. I think at one point he drags him down, he gets booked for it and, he, you know, and he gets subbed off. He was probably relieved to be honest that he came off the pitch, but um, I was impressed with, with every, every aspect of our game. I thought Loftus cheek coming in and, and, and doing a job as well. Um, was perfect. The only downsides, obviously we've got to talk about big injuries in terms of um, Angola Kante, who I think wasn't as bad, but Ben Chilwells was definitely the, you know, as soon as he went down, clutching his knee, banging yeah. the ground. You knew it was a bad one. You could and tell, couldn't you? You could tell yeah, it, 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 was it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't just a knock. Like he, he had felt something and straight away, you mm. know, you, you could tell there was a, um, there was a horrible injury. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a question here from Hector as well, in terms of um, what's our options of our opinion, sorry, of Alonso at left back. Um, do we need to sign another left back? Should Emerson be called back? We must sign another left back in the winter in 2022. So I, I personally, for me, I wouldn't sign one. I think we've got enough there. I think we've got Emerson, who's on loan, Ian Matson, who's at Coventry, who's playing perfect for Coventry. Those would be my two options to bring one of them back. We've still got Aspley Quetta, who can also play there. But Theo, I'll bring it to you, seeing as the question's directed to you. Um, what would you do in that if you was too cool? Would you, would you bring someone back or go into the market and try and bring someone in? I don't think I'd go into the market. Um, that wouldn't be very sensible. 
I think first we need to assess how long this injury for Ben Chilwell is going to take because it's still unsure if it's going to be three or four months or if it's going to be the whole season. If it's the whole season, maybe I'd look at an Emerson or, or preferably Matson. I think, because I think Matson would be more happy to play um, second fiddle maybe to an Alonso or an Azpilicueta. I think the most sensible thing to do, or at least trial for the month of December, is Alonso and Aspi in that left wing back position. Um, I was on a pod on um, in midweek, and I was I, I never knew this, but Pali Sounagaz played left wing back at Atletico Madrid for a few games earlier this season. It's not his preferred preferred position, but that's also an option. Should we really need? I think Pulisic played there once or twice for us as well. I know it's again not his preferred position, not his strongest position, but we have those options, and we have to remember that Alonso started the season very, very well in left wing back position, and only red hot, you know, Ben Chilwell managed to kind of you know get him out of the team. So, um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd be happy with Alonso and Aspi, and hope that Ben Chilwell maybe get comes back into this team April March time if all goes well. Um, but yeah, if it's an ACL, it's it's bad news. It's a big blow. But um, but yeah, Alonso can easily do the job in in December and the coming months. Would Would you agree with that, Haider? Yeah, you no, think... I, I completely completely agree with that. Um, there's no need to panic, by. Um, and again, Chilwell Chilwell came on came into this uh, into this team, broke into the team this season based on his own performances, not on the fact that perhaps Alonso was playing bad because Alonso was doing really well. Um, so I, th- I don't think we need to panic. The system that we have suits Alonso. The fact that our fullbacks, yeah, they will have to defend every now and then, but I feel predominantly they're, they're there to attack. They're there to go forward. That is what, you know, if it comes down to it, my own opinion is Alonso is better at Chilwell in the final third, um, in the final third of the pitch. So again, if it's a big game and we need to be a bit more defensive, like Theo said, we have Aspilicueta. If it's, you know, a cup game where it's, it's, you know, doesn't matter much. We have a Pulisic, we have a we have a, a Hudson-Odoi and we have a Saul if it, if it needs to be. And um, in the big games, I play, I play Alonso. I don't, I don't think you need to you need to bring anyone back um, because it could halt and it could, you know, slow down their de- their own development. Just looking at Ian Matson or something like that. But going forward, I, I, I wouldn't dip into the market. I I was just going to add my one worry is that um, Alonso and Chilwell, both of them being fit, almost brought like healthy competition out of each other. They were, you know, really pushing each other for that starting position. But now that Chilwell's injured, I just really hope Alonso doesn't drop a level knowing that his, you know, place in the starting 11 is... We've got Mr. Reliable as well, you know. Aspilicueta shouldn't be over... He shouldn't be overlooked, you know. You you can put him anywhere in that team and what you're going to get is effort and he's going to do his best to... Uh, to fit in so you know we don't need to panic we no, don't need to, no need to panic my, my only worry around Aspia Quetta is his legs and he isn't the fastest anymore and and that that does worry me I think December I think throughout December we've got a game every three days from the first till the 30th of December so that's a lot of football for for someone who isn't naturally playing on the left side of a you know if you're talking about Hudson Adoy or Sal Niguez who I think that's why he fell out with um, Atletico I think that's one of the reasons why he fell out because he was being played as a wing back a left wing back and that's not his natural position so I think he was happy to come to Chelsea and try and play midfield so to put him there I'm not sure if he'd want to do it as well so my only worry is the, the amount of games we've got just in December and then obviously you look beyond that as well for me I think it's a, a season ending injury I don't think he'll be back I don't think he'll even if he does come back he's yeah, he's coming back at that sort of period where he's going to have to get back to full fitness, and he may as well just start again next season. So, for me personally, I would 
potentially consider uh, Matson only because, yes, he's playing second fiddle, but I think the expectation of him playing second fiddle is what he's going to be expecting rather than bringing Emerson back who would potentially want to play more football. I think it makes sense to have that cover there. And I think Tuchel prefer to have the cover. You know, anything happens to Alonso, then what What do we do then? And then the window shuts. So I think you, you've got to have that sort of long-term vision. Expect the unexpected. You know, we've seen it before when we lost our goalkeepers. We lost Czech and um, Kudicini. Yeah. Uh, yeah, in the, in the same season. We ended yeah. up playing Hilario, I think, for, for most of that sort of period as well. So yeah. it, it does happen when you lose your, your two sort of natural... Um, you know, first choice sort of um, positioned players, but I think you've got to have enough cover in there. And I think Tuchel would like that. I think he, he would prefer to have enough cover, someone who's naturally used to playing there. And like you said as well, Hyder, as well, we've got Brentford, I think, next in the cup on the 24th or 22nd Second, December. Yeah. So that, for me personally, if we get through that that um, Brentford game and whoever we get next, it's, a, it's an option that you can bring someone like him in. So, for me personally, I'd, I'd recall one of the two. Ideally not Emerson, because I'm not a big fan of him anyway. But I've seen enough about Ian Matson to understand that he can play a role, whether it's a small role or a bigger role, if needed to as well. I remember watching Matson, I think, against Grimsby in the Cup when um, we played him at Stamford Bridge in Lampard's first season, and he was quite impressive. He's quite pacey, he's quite skillful, and you know that's what you kind of need as a left wing back. And... Um, and yeah, he's also a Cobham Academy boy. So whatever they put in his breakfast cereal, he's been doing the job recently. So you, you can't you can't forget as well that you know the level he would be expected to come into play at is completely different to what he is playing at at the moment. And if you look at all the academy boys that have broken into the team and that are playing at a high level right now, they've completed seasons on loan. They've 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 developed properly, and I feel like if we do cut it short it would be a lot of pressure on him. It would be a lot of pressure. So if it was if it was down to returning somebody, I would go for Emerson purely because he's played in big nights. He's played in big games. Um, he's played with the squad. They know him, you know, and will there be enough time for Matson to, you know, develop into the team, you know, mix well with the players? It could, it could go wrong with him, I feel. And that's why I would play the safe option of just leave him there you know, let him develop for a full season, and, and the option's always there to bring him back later on. It's a good, it's a good shout. It's a good shout. Um, I want to ask a question. I think we've spoke about this before on here around Sal Niguez. Is he finished? Um, is he finished at Chelsea, Haider? Yeah, yeah, he is. No, you, you know, I'm I'm just looking at where he where he would fit in. What can he offer? And if he can offer something, what can he offer that's better than what we already have? And from every single angle you look at it, there's, you know, unless, unless you two can see something that I can't see, there's nothing that I would say, you know, bring him in here because he would do better than even at fullback. I'll take Aspilicueta over him all day long, all day long. You know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't risk him, you know, and I feel like the pace of the pace of the English football doesn't suit him. I've seen him a couple of times live. Yeah. I'd slightly, I, I do agree with everything you've said, but now that we've got Kovacic injured, we've got Kante injured. Jorginho was a doubt even for the Juventus game. I know he started, but injuries will happen in December. And I feel like if he doesn't, if he plays a part in December, then he'll stay for the season. If he's still isolated from the team come end of December, then I think his time's done at Chelsea. But you know, even in centre mid, you know, with all those injuries, you've got Jorginho and uh, Loftus-Cheek who are fit right now. You know, mm. even if it got to a point where one of them uh, uh, got injured as well, 
I personally think Tukel will, will put Mason Mount in that midfield before him. He saw that in the FA Cup um, last season a few times. Barkley as well. Or, or Ross Barkley. Mm. Or Ross Barkley. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's. I don't think he's good enough. I don't think he's good enough personally. I, I think he's good enough. I just don't think he's the fit for Chelsea, and I think that's yeah. a shame for him. Yeah, I think he's a very good player. I just don't think. I agree with you. I don't think that the pace of the Premier League. He's been able to adapt to that, and and that's a big factor when you're coming from the Liga or Serie A or. Um, you know, anywhere else across Europe to come into the Premier League, it is a bit of a difference. And if you don't pick that up straight away, you do obviously then have to do a little bit more extra legwork to try and pick that pace up. So I, I think for me, it'd be a shame to obviously lose him. But again, I don't want to see any of the other players who are playing well lose their, their position to try and fit him in. I just don't think he's a, the right fit for Chelsea. So mm. um, again, I think I've mentioned it Spoke Hazard to Newcastle. Sal Niguez, Newcastle. <laughs> Why not? Let's ship him off Maybe, there, yeah. maybe if you need some game time. If you yeah, need some game, some game time. You know? I but, still feel um, like it's harsh because we're judging him on, what, a game and a half, is it? I feel that's the one thing that I want to see a bit more of him. Maybe two or three more games to really make up my mind. But um, I think he smashed it to... Uh, it's, it's the system. Mm. It's the system that, that doesn't suit him. I think he'd do well in a three-man midfield. Um, where there's more legs around him um, and, and less pressure on on that pivot role of, you know, we, we've seen it. That pivot sentiment for Chelsea is everything to that system. Mm. If that doesn't work, the whole system doesn't work. And I feel like we might be being a bit too harsh by saying, you know, he's he, he's washed and he's that, but it's, it's definitely the system for me. I agree with you. Mm. There's a question here, which... Um, sort of leads us on to the next point as well because I've I've been shouting I think I said it to you Theo but I did have a few drinks after I'd said this but I said we were the best team in the world um, I'm going to lower that down a level and say we're the best team in Europe at the moment um, but do you think we're clearly favourites now for the Premier League Europe is the world exactly yeah, about to say <laughs> Europe yeah. is like, the world out, outside <laughs> of Europe outside of Europe what is which football team we're going to look at LA Galaxy um, Seattle Fluminese or yeah, Sao Paulo yeah, listen yeah. I'm just trying to be I'm just trying let's, to be let's win the club let's win the yeah, club world cup go. and then we'll be the there best team in the world yeah there you go when we win but, that um, we're the best team in the world I think we, based on current form, based on how we're playing, based on how the manager's getting the best out of every single player, I'm going to say we are the best team in Europe or the world, whatever you prefer. But um, but yeah, I think obviously you can look at Liverpool, you can look at Man City who are playing very, very well. But the actual kind of way, I think Tuchel's, as I said, he's getting the best out of every single player, the individual performances players are putting in and the improvement of, that players are showing, like Rhys James, like Hudson-Odoi, like Trevor Chalaber. Is phenomenal. Then outside of the Premier League, you maybe look at Bayern and PSG. But PSG, from what I saw again uh, from them against Man, uh, Man City, I'd happily have them in the Champions League. I might, you know, the famous last words maybe. <laughs> but um, you know, I, that was not a performance that would make me think, you know, they can win the Champions League. So um, yeah, I think we're playing. You know, the football we played against Juventus was champagne football. Honestly, it was beautiful. That the Loftus Cheek um, set up for um, Hudson Odoi. It was like he was on an eight-a-side football pitch or something, and it was phenomenal. And I don't think we're seeing, you know, as like I say, if Kante goes off injured, we can bring on Loftus Cheek. I know that Man City, maybe you know, if Rodri goes off injured, they bring Fernandinho. It's not really the same. I don't know if we've got so many players that can come off the bench and make an impact. We've got a manager that's getting the players to play football that they they seem to be enjoying, that they're you know they're happy, and it seems to be 
the first time at Stamford Bridge on on um, on Tuesday night, I was at the game. I felt like a real connection, not with the players and the fans. And you can see that when Hudson Odoi scored, you know, that the celebrations and that passion. I hadn't seen that maybe since maybe the 4-4 draw with Ajax a very long time ago. So there finally seems to be this, you know, the players are playing for the fans, they're playing for yeah. the manager. And and, that, and then obviously when that happens, the form comes as well. And I think I told you as well, um, uh, Tito, uh, it's the first time in a very long time I walk to Stamford Bridge every day for games, expecting a win, expecting a clean sheet and expecting, you know, goals. And that's the first time, you know, that's happened in a, probably since, I want to say the Conte season, the first Conte season. But even then, you know, we were still conceding quite a few. So it is, I'd say we are the best team in, in the world at the moment based on current form. I've got, we've got, we've got to mention the guy in the back there, Thiago Silva, because his goal line clearance, I forgot to mention it, was was superb, man. Hyder, let me ask you: Is he still good enough? Because there's obviously talk about him getting a, another year's um, contract extension at Chelsea. Is he still good enough to to be sort of considered a first team Chelsea player for another year? I mean, I mean, you look at it, and and what other answer is there? A lot of people are going to sit there and say, you know, his age. And, you know, he's he's past his sell-by date. But tell me what defender in the Premier League is performing at his level? There isn't I, any. I can't see it. There isn't you know, any at the moment. It's not to say it's not to say he's the best individual centre-back in the world or in the Premier League and his attributes are, are better than... But, in the again, it all comes... Football these days, it all comes back to the system. Okay? If the system works, you're going to be the best team in the world if the, fa- if the players you have fit that system. It's no longer about individuals in a team who are going to win you games. We saw that at PSG. Neymar, Mbappe and, and Messi. That's a FIFA team. But <laughs> ultimate it, team. <laughs> it's, it's, an, it's an ultimate team. Let, let's be yeah. honest about it. But no one was tracking back. I saw, um, I saw Michael, uh, Michael Owen and uh, uh, Rhea Ferdinand do analysis on that. None of them went back past the halfway line and and it meant that City were attacking in numbers which mm. which just washed them away with Thiago Silva it, it's such a perfect system for him where he has two centre-backs next to him who are going to be aggressive who are going to do the dirty work who you know they're all on the same on, on the same page in terms of their lines and, and stuff like that for me he is he's definitely the best centre-back in the Premier League at the moment and and the way he's going as well, you know, I was reading that he doesn't train as much as the other players, so he's being looked after. Um, there's there's another year in him. There's mm. definitely another year in him, and we and we'd be stupid not to, even if it's even if it's not playing every single game. Having him in a changing room, having him around the squad, it's it's a given. It's it's an absolute given when you got players like Chalaba, Reese James coming into the team, mm. all these youth academy players now breaking into the team and, and trying to make the spot their own. When you look up to who you know, you look at players who you look up to, who better in the world as a professional and as a player than Thiago Silva? Completely agree. He's aged like a fine wine. Literally, <laughs> literally, literally. Um, Question there around the last 16. Obviously, we made it through to the last 16 now. So, Theo, I'll come to you first. Out of those teams, who, who would you prefer to, to play next? I mean, if you want to be the best, you have to beat the best. I do kind of agree with that. But um, it, it would be nice to have a relatively easier team in the round of 16, make it a bit more comfortable before getting to the quarterfinals. Out of that list there, I think it depends on whether we finish first or second. But if we beat Zenit, we'll finish first. So let's focus on that. I'll easily take a Barcelona. I think we can take them on easily based on how poor they've been. 
they looked awful against Benfica once again. I know they've got a new manager in and, you know, they, they brought in um, Danny Alves maybe to, you know, create that 2015, those 2015 vibes again. There's even talks of Iniesta coming back to the team, but I don't think that would make a difference. But yeah, I'd, I'd like to maybe be a player of the Portuguese teams. That'll be a nice uh, away trip in, um, in February and March. Um, so at Benfica or Sporting Lisbon, get go to or even Porto get to travel back to, to Portugal. That'd be nice. But yeah, I take I take any team really. Um, I would like to avoid PSG. I know I said I we I I'd play them and I think we could beat them, but I'd rather avoid them until the quarters maybe. But I say one of the Portuguese teams or or Barcelona. What's nice is that for a change, I think every single team on that list there doesn't want to play us. Mm. I was just about to say yeah. that. I think every single team from Man City, well, Man City can't, but, you know, all those teams there, from the best to the worst, I think every single one is thinking, avoid Chelsea, yeah. avoid Chelsea at all costs, because, you know, we're, we're so tunnel visioned right now. With Like a lot of people I know who hate Chelsea, who, who have written us off in the past, are sitting here saying now, your favourites for the Champions League again. Mm. And I think, and I think we are. I think when it comes down to it, it's us and Man City. Um, and and what, what Theo said, he, he honestly, he smashed it. I think the fans are going to make the difference. You looked at PSG game uh, with, with the Man City PSG game. If that was at the bridge, you know, if, if that game, that exact same scenario, we, we go a goal down and then we, and then we end up winning 2-1. Bridge would be rocking. Mm-hmm. It, it actually yeah, it didn't look rocking, did it? It was very like expected or just. I don't it. think it's ever rocked. To be fair, you know, there was, there was it was a sellout <laughs> because Messi was in town, and it just feel like a theatre. They've just come to watch yeah, entertainment. And they've, they've come to admire, but in terms of passion, in terms of you know getting the team over the line, I feel like City's individual talent and again the system got them the win. Mm. Um, whereas with us, I feel like in a situation like that, the fans will push us over the edge. And going forward, I think that's why we're favourites for the uh, for the Champions League again. Yeah, I don't. I I can't see anyone bar maybe maybe Liverpool. I always have to throw them in there because I feel like they're a team that just goes about their business quietly, and then come the end yeah. of the season, we start saying, "Well, you know, they they do look very very good, especially going forwards um, defensively." Okay, maybe not the best, but I still think they've got enough about them to, to definitely challenge for the Champions League um, and the league as well, obviously. So um, I'd put them in the mix as well. Um, so we'll have to see. But I agree with both of you. I think on that list, it, to, to, you know, to be the best, you've got you to beat the rest. So 100%, I agree with that. Um, Conor Gallagher, I think we spoke about him on here before. Yeah, maybe um, listen. Go back to that episode we spoke in long depth. Yeah. Next now. season, next yeah. season, he'll be back next at Chelsea season, in the summer. We hope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. let him a, develop. A... Let him develop, and and I think we're gonna we're gonna have a gem on our hands next season. Hundred percent, and I think the same with Mendy as well. Yeah. I think he's definitely for me the, arguably the best goalkeeper in the world right now. I can put my hand on my heart and say that mm. one. He's he's probably the best goalkeeper. Um, yeah, you've just... noticed as well in in the past few games. I'd say six or seven games. His um his distribution. Has, has just mm. gone up a notch. He's always mm. been a shot stopper. He's always been aggressive and commanding in his box. I think from day one that he's come in, he's shown that, you know, what Kepa lacked in, in terms of presence, not being scared, dominating. He's always had that. But I felt like if it was anything he needed to improve on, just slightly was that distributing between the lines. So not the long kicks, but just being confident enough to play that through ball that will eliminate three or four players and then and then we can go. And, and I've seen that. I've seen that in the past few, and that's where I think he's now gone to another level mm. of of being called the best in the world. 
I think what what makes him world class as well, and we saw that against in the Leicester game on last Saturday, and again again against Juventus, nothing to do all game, and then there's and that then, one moment where that shows that he's fully concentrated yeah. in, during yeah, those yeah, ninety yeah. minutes, whether it was a long shot or something else, and he pulls off that save. That's maybe another keeper will just have a bit of a lapse in concentration yeah. and let in. So concentration wise. And shows his and there's a bit about him but... off the pitch. Yeah, yeah. Have you been seeing? Have you been seeing? Yeah, you know, he's quite vocal now, and... and he wants you know he wants Nothing to show that. that. No, Nothing I like that, that, and he's you completely know, right. He's making a good good points as well. So let him carry on doing that. If anything, yeah. If anything, that just shows us that there's more and more leaders being born in that changing room. You know, which is needed forward, as well. That's only, that's only good going forward. You know, definitely. You know, that, that warrior mentality of of we'll take on anything. Definitely, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. Let's move to Sunday. Big, big game. The nerves are already kicking in a bit because yeah. it's United yeah. and yeah. no one wants to lose to United, especially at the moment. Um, Hector's put down a prediction there, which I'm sure we'll do our, our own shortly. But let, let's talk about the game. Obviously, Thomas Tuchel's got a press conference in about half an hour. But would you like to see Lukaku start, Haider? Mm, no, not yet. No. Yeah, would I like to see him fully fit start 100%? But mm-hmm. is it is it the right time for him to actually start, you know, in a game where he hasn't had any minutes? I, I don't I don't think that's realistic. You also don't break some you don't fix something that isn't broken. Mm-hmm. Um you know, not to say that he's not going to come back into the team and when he's fully fit that role is his and and we're going to have him at the top of the pitch, but I I, I personally if we're winning comfortably I'd bring him on. I'd bring him on, but I would I would start with Pulisic up front. Mm. I was impressed with him. I was impressed yeah. with him. I thought he played really well. And I feel like, again, I've said this on here before, if we can keep Pulisic fit, I think we're going to get a, a brilliant player out of him. I think the, the problem that he's had is been hindered with, with a lot of injuries and there have been injuries that have kept him out of the game for long periods of the, of the season. So I think he just needs a run of games where we can, we can test him as well and he can test himself. And these kind of big games against like a United or, you know, Man City, Liverpool, whoever, those top, top teams, if you can call United that, but those kind of games, he needs to, he needs to step up. So I think this is a perfect opportunity for him to do that. When you look at United's defence recently and how leaky it's been. Have they, the have last, they got one? <laughs> <laughs> well, so-called defence, you know. I, th- I think the last thing we, we need to do right now was go and have a physical battle with them up front. Mm. Because that that gives defenders confidence, you know. If you win your first header, and then you win your second header, and then and all of a sudden, you, whereas players like Pulisic, who are going to run between lines, run behind defenders, going to have their centre backs always on their toes, always thinking, and I think that's where United's defence breaks down. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely not Lukaku to start with, definitely. But we've got problems now with with attacking options yeah. because because Hakim Ziyech now is. Is, is performing good problems Mason Mount's not problems <laughs> you know uh, Havertz you know on and off Callum Hudson-Odoi on form so would you would you not go with the same kind of lineup that we started with in Juventus barring I, the injuries yeah. of course I probably would but maybe switch Pulisic I'd put him in his, his natural position maybe put Werner up front and okay. just for that pace, and then maybe yeah. drops. Yeah, she'll bring him off the bench or bring Lukaku yeah, on <laughs> off the bench. I'd bring Lukaku on, as you said. I wouldn't. I wouldn't start him. I would, maybe would have started him had he got maybe twenty minutes against uh, Juventus. But he's got no, you know, match fitness in, in him. So um, I think he. I'd love to see him score against United as well, being his ex club. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, I think um, regarding Pulisic, I don't think it was his most impactful game against Juventus, but the, the movement, you know, his movement looked great. The spaces he created was brilliant. So, um, so yeah, I wouldn't would be too you know disheartened if he started as a false nine again as well. What are we saying then? So we, we obviously need three points against United. Who would you who would you go with? Up front. Yeah, well, yeah, like up, up top. I think I'd stick with Pulisic. I, I, I want to see more of him. I want to see what he can do. Um, I agree though. I think it'd be good to, I wouldn't start Lukaku. Um, I, I said on the, the previous episode, I think if he was going to start in the Juventus game, I said he needs minutes before United. So you can't throw him in cold into that game. And I, I still stand by that. I think if you're going to, put him into a big game like that I would have brought him on Tuesday and the fact that he didn't come on tells you that he's clearly not fully ready to come back into any sort of shape or form so I, I think I'd start with Pulisic and, and leave leave it as it was because it works and you've got a member as well we don't rely on just our attacking players to score goals you know we've got Reese James I think on five goals or something now he's, I think, might even be top goal scorer I think but um, we've got goals coming from all areas of the pitch so Naturally, you can afford to put a Pulisic up front and, and you know, make the runs or do whatever and still expect a Reese James or a, a Angolo Kante who's injured now, but someone like that to go and get a goal. Is he not you... fit for the Man United game, Kante? We'll, we'll find We're out about in about seven minutes. Yeah, but I think, I, it, it, to be honest, it didn't look as bad. I think his was more precaution, whereas obviously Chilwell was right off car crash. So I think... I'd expect, but to be honest, Kante's had a, a couple of those kind of weird injuries now. He's had, obviously, the other yeah. knocks and it's kept him out. So It's the intensity he plays at, isn't it? Starting he to might feel not like be a bad thing. to catch up a little yeah. bit with him. Yeah, He might not be a bad thing not for him not to play in this game as much as we'd miss him. I think, like I just said before, we've got three, three, um, a game every three days in December. So we're going to need him for that period as well. And and if he gets injured in a, a United game, he's out for you know two to three weeks. Mm. It's a big loss. So I'd well, rather... We need Kovacic fit as well, I think. Exactly. So I think we need to start using the depth that we've got in the squad and, and using it really well. You know, maybe even bringing a Loftus-Cheek who, who you know can do a job there as well. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't play Lukaku. I'd probably leave it with Pulisic. And, but Werner's a good shout. You know, we... He got his goal. He's got a bit of confidence, I'm sure, after that goal. Um, albeit, I, I think it's about the 94th minute, wasn't it? I think he scored on Tuesday. So, yeah. you know, um, let me talk talk to me about Ruben Loftus-Cheek for you because obviously you've got a comment there um, about Loftus-Cheek and he played really well on Tuesday. So would you, would you start him? Yeah, yeah. If, if Kante is not fit, if Kovacic is not fit, I'd be more than happy seeing Jorginho and Loftus-Cheek in that midfield. I think what we see a lot of Jorginho is that he sits back, allowing whoever's playing alongside him, if it's Kante, if it's Kovacic, to go up up the pitch. And that's what Ruben likes to do best, is to drive up the pitch and take on midfielders and defenders. So um, I do agree with El Slade. I think he has, he, he has to start and he will start. And um, when he came on against Juventus, I think his, his appearance was actually really, really promising. He's winning balls now, which is something we didn't really see in his game You know, um, previously when he's at Chelsea. He's um, intercepting, passer, you know, so I think he's doing everything that, you know, a, a centre midfielder should be doing. And that's probably the two core side of his game that's been brought in. So um, United, I think, I think he's only started, I don't know how many Premier League games he started. I think he started against Southampton and he looked good. It's a handful, but, maybe two or three, yeah. maybe two, I think. He, he, he should be starting more. He deserves to be starting more. And we started away in, in Sweden against Malmo. He was he was sublime. So um, I think he should be starting on, on Sunday. And I actually think he will put in a very, very good performance yeah. should he start. You look at you look at their midfield as well. Um, 
I think he's got the beating of every single mm. one of them in field, especially physically. Um, when he's on the ball and he's and he's dribbling the way he, you know what he did to Rabio. Did you see what he did to Rabio? <laughs> it, it, it was like a, it was like playing against a little kid, wasn't it? And <laughs> and I feel like Rabio is is a decent midfielder. He's not so, he's not some joke, you know. And I feel like McTominay and Fred are not at that level. Uh, even if he's going to throw in a Matic, um, I think it, it could be the perfect game for him to kind of mm. send a message out. You know, Chelsea United dominates that midfield. And then going forward, I think it would, it would kickstart his kind of, his push to start every single game. Mm, agree. Agree, agree. I would definitely start him. 100% I would start Ruben. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with that as well. I think not, nothing about the, and this is going to probably come back to haunt me, so I'm going to say it. And if I need to edit it out later, I will. <laughs> but but I, nothing worries me about United at the moment. There's nothing that I worry about. And I look at the defence, the goalkeeper's questionable. He gets beaten quite a lot at the near post. Doesn't doesn't worry me. The centre-backs don't worry me. Wan-Bissaka doesn't worry me. Um, Tellez or Shaw don't worry me. The midfield doesn't. You look at maybe a Mason Greenwood, who I'm not sure if, he, if he's even fit, I don't know. Um, Cavani, Ronaldo, those sort of players, they don't, they don't worry me. Um, in Individually, they're got. very they're very good. But I feel like our defenders are like bouncers. Yeah, they just stop everything. Uh, do you know? You, you just know Rudiger within three minutes, he's going to grab someone's ear and he's going to give someone a little bit. <laughs> yeah. He's going to step. Yeah, you need that little, sort of playoff. When the ball's going off, he's going to push someone off the pitch just to kind of remind them, you know. Diego Costa vibes. As well. Exactly. Got to exactly. be careful. It's Anthony Taylor. He's got to be careful. No. Do, it on, do it on the sly, on the sneak. Yeah. yeah. I agree with you. You need those kind of players that rough the other, the other team yeah. up a little bit and just put them off a little bit. Yeah, and you look at just on, on Ruben as well. Um, you see how many players he attracts to him. Yeah, there, yeah, there you go. Yeah, his drive forward makes so many attacks. Exactly, that's it. Yeah, yeah. You looked at the goal, uh, Callum Hudson Odoi's goal. I mean, he, he was just waiting for it. He was waiting for it just to be put on a plate for him. Yeah, yeah. And he had about four or five players just trying to trying to get to him. And, you know, that's, that's only good. That's only good going forward for our wingers, for our attacking players. It frees up a lot of space. It shows the quality that teams, that or the threat that teams see that he's got. Because any player like that, if he's he, not a common player, yeah. If, if you look, if you look at the Premier League right now, you know, and I, and I'm not, but because he hasn't, he hasn't achieved what Yaya Toure has achieved. But mm. to my memory, that type of style, I can't think of anyone apart from Yaya Toure who's of a similar type of mm. uh, a, a style. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, so when yeah. you don't play against a style every single week. It, it, it's difficult to deal with mm. because even in training, you're not dealing with that in your, in, in your own players. So yeah, I mean, the, the world is oyster, I reckon, man. It's just about mentality and keeping fit. Let's talk about predictions. Our, our favourite part, predictions. At about seven o'clock on Sunday, are we going to be happy or are we going to be thinking, what did we do wrong? I, I'll go first. I'm going to say 2-0 Chelsea. I think it's going to be an easy game for us. I think nothing worries me about this team and this might come back to haunt me, like I said, but I just think, you know, even if we don't start Lukaku and we, we, we play Pulisic or Werner, um, Loftus-Cheek, if he does start, will be the pivotal in that midfield. I, I can't see United doing us any any, any problems. Um, if I'm honest, I'm going to go 2-0. Theo, I'll come to you. Uh, I can see United getting a jammy goal simply because, if, look, against, against Villarreal, they were very poor but you know they've got Ronaldo who can just score that 80th minute annoying goal and get them a, a point or even three points at times 
but then again, I, I think we've got enough firepower to score three. <laughs> and I think if Hudson Adoy will start, I think, and he will score. So I'm going to go with three, three, one Chelsea. I'm going to go purely based on their games against big teams and how they fall apart so quickly and how we're playing in the form that we're in. I'm going to go, I'm going to be confident about it. I'm going to go for a four nil. I think we're wow. going to absolutely wipe the floor with them. <laughs> I like, no, I like it. I like it. It's, I'm uh, liking his confidence, but at the same time, it's kind of worrying. Just, just, based on, just based on, you know, Man City could have scored 18, I reckon, that game. Yeah. They, mm. were just, they were just messing around. They were literally, just, Liverpool absolutely destroyed them. So I feel like when they come up against well-oiled, drilled machines who are, you know, proper structured teams, I think they fall apart. I mean, Watford scored four against them, so why can't we? Yeah, Renieri teams are well organised. They are, yeah. This, this is my point. Any any team that's half organised against them, I feel like individually you don't have to be better than them, but as as a, as an organised team, you, you can do what you want with them at the moment. Mm. It's, do you know what, as well? I think it's strange because obviously United have changed the manager, but the whole backroom staff is still there. So everything that Oli was is put That's in place it, yeah. it's still the same people who yeah. were doing it when Ollie was there so I don't really see until someone else comes in and obviously they've got talks with um, people at the moment but until something Villarreal game was 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 yeah. similar style wasn't yeah, it like same, they won the fair enough style. But, yeah yeah but it's yeah. the same style it's the same how many times have we seen them do that with Ollie? yeah 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 you know, not, not play great not play amazing against an average team and then and win a jamming result yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it happens. And I think, you know, I think Carrick being there, uh, Mike Phelan still being there, it's, you know, Darren Fletcher, it's all the same people that were sat underneath Ollie who were making those calls anyway and, and doing all the rest of it. So I can't really see much difference. So, yeah, I'm, I see us winning the game, but if we lose, we might still have to... Top. Well, we're still top, but we might have to postpone the recording for a few I'm, days. I'm not recording. I'm not recording next week if we lose. <laughs> <laughs> we've got to, uh, to be fair, we've got to, if we lose, we've got to show our faces. We've got to show our faces. We, we yeah, love when we win, so we've got to, we've got to exactly. hate when we lose as well. But um, yeah, it's going to be a good game, I think. Obviously, Sunday, 4.30. Um, Kante, we're not sure. I think um, comment there around Kante, we'll find out. Thomas Tuchel, I'm sure, will t- tell us how, how he's doing. Um it, look, it didn't look too bad, to be fair. So I think he, if he, if he's fit, I'm sure, you know, Thomas Tuchel's going to want him in the team. But let, let's move on to Kante and Jorginho for the Ballon d'Or. I'm going to come to you first, Haider, because I think it's important that we don't sort of use the whole Messi-Ronaldo thing, which is what has happened for years, to kind of overshadow the fact that Kante and Jorginho, for me personally, have definitely got a shout for winning the Ballon d'Or. Would you agree? I, I would agree. Yeah, I hundred percent would agree. But in terms of the Ballon d'Or itself, I think I think we all we all spoke for for the podcast. Uh, rumors are coming out uh, that that it is messy. Seem it seems like he has he has bagged it. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> I think maybe a year or a year or two probably. Has maximum. he bagged it, or did he did he pay for it? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So I think in in terms of if they're actually going to win it, I don't, I don't think I don't think that's going to happen. But if it, if it comes down to choosing between the two, I'd say Jorginho merited it more mm-hmm. for me. Um, you look at what he's done with Italy. You look at what he's done with Chelsea. You look at his his impact on a system. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say out of all the players in the Chelsea starting eleven, the one player who I would say if we took out may 
affect the system slightly would be Jorginho, purely because he knows it. His intelligence is, is above everyone else. Physically, he may he may not be there. You know, he might not be the quickest. He might not be the strongest. But in terms of his intelligence, I think he's probably at the moment one of the smartest footballers in the world. If you if you can say that. Um, for me, I would have had him as the Ballon d'Or winner personally. A lot of people will say he's a defensive midfielder, and but just purely based on an impact on 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 a team, I, I would go with him over over Kante. Do you, do you agree, Phil? Yeah, I mean, firstly, if Messi wins the Ballon d'Or, I think it's daylight robbery. I just will literally give up on that award. I would never even read any articles or watch the ceremony or anything like that for the next ten years because I think it's a joke. In players that actually deserve it, I think Kante and Jorginho definitely deserve it. You look at the impact they've had on Chelsea games, particularly in that cha- those Champions League knockout games, and the pair of them were sublime. They were fantastic. And again, in the Champions League final, Jorginho, again, was at the Euros. You take him out, that Mancini system, like I'd say, or that Tuchel system, I think he, I do agree, is one of our most important players. And, you know, you'll see a difference. You won't maybe see us play as well, or you won't see that Italian team play as well as they did in the Euros. So um, I still think the criteria of the Ballon d'Or is just so blurry at the moment. What actually you need to do to yeah. win it? Do you need trophies? Do you need individual yeah. performances? Do you need man of the match awards? But um, I think if you kind of take a mix of all of that, I do think Jorginho deserves it. I think it, I'm kind of would like to see Lewandowski deserve it because I think he was he deserved it in 2020. But at the same time, I'd love to see a defensive midfielder win it, just like I'd like to see a centre back and a goalkeeper win it because I think there's more to football now than just goals. And assists like you probably get all the clarity, like, like you're saying. There has to be, has clarity, to be clarity now on on what the agenda is to win mm-hmm. it. Even yeah. going down the route of making two different. Exactly, I was going to say if if a player yeah. like Georgina yeah. doesn't win it this year, then surely create a separate award for you know the players not based the on stats. Yeah, not like players that yeah. uh, uh, trophy and a player like performance based uh, trophy. Yeah, but if mm. next week we lose to Man United and Messi's won the Ballon d'Or, I'm not showing my face on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's to be honest, I, I agree with both of you. I think Jorginho, for me personally, based on his Chelsea uh, season and obviously winning the Euros as well, it, it, yeah, it, it's it's hard to overlook. Maybe a bit of bias because he's Chelsea, but I think it's the same thing every year, isn't it? Messi or Ronaldo, Messi, Ronaldo, and to be honest as well, I agree with what you said, Theo. I think the criteria thing is definitely the thing that is 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 masking over what actually is the criteria to to get the the award so is it just goals if it's just goals then of course yeah you look at Messi Lewandowski or someone like that but like you just said you know a lot of the football now without you know without a decent goalkeeper the goals don't really matter it, for me personally if you've got someone in midfield that is like I think Kante got man of the match semi-final of the Champions League and potentially and the, the final of the Champions the final, League yeah, as well. yeah. so you know, those are big games for me, and not just those, but throughout the season as well. It's, yeah, it just doesn't doesn't make sense to me. But we're used to it, or I'm used to it. I'm used to seeing Messi win the. Ballon you know, they're going to cling on to um, Messi winning his first Copa as a yeah. as as an yeah, excuse yeah, yeah. to to give it to Mickey him, Mouse right? Trophy, though. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's um, it's going to be it's going to be. I'm sure Messi, isn't it? Um, who wins it? Yeah, we spoke about the left back situation earlier, Elslead. Um, I was of the opinion to bring back Matson. I think Haider and Theo were happy to to Keep leave him on, where so. he was. Yeah, yeah. leave him where Keep he was. On. So um yeah, you, if you listen back later on when it when the episode comes out, you'll be able to hear that. But yeah, in terms of the Ballon d'Or, I think it's gonna be interesting. 
if they actually do. Sometimes those leaks come out and they're never, they're not always right. So I'm, I'm clinging on to that. That someone's just gone, yeah. Someone's just gone on Twitter and thought, "Let me just spread a rumor," and it spread like wildfire, which it can do. Um, but I wouldn't put it past you know UEFA and FIFA or whoever to to rub hands with the wrong people. Uh, to be honest, I'm not waiting for their approval anymore either. Yeah, we can make our own decisions. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, who who are these people? Who are these guys? Yeah, They're yeah. just old men in suits. Just you know just making decision on football based on on who's paid the most and who's put the most because that's the reality of it mm. you know whether we want to talk about that or not or whether we want to go deep into that or not that is the reality of it and their judgment is not greater than our judgment mm. if that's anything ours is better <laughs> ours is probably better it's unbiased to an extent apart from myself to an but extent, yeah normally it's, normally it's unbiased and, and you know as fans you know we, we we're not sort of taking backhand you know backhand payments from from some dodgy person to to get an award. So yeah. I think for me personally, Jorginho and Kante have both done enough to to definitely be considered, not just on the shortlist, but actually be considered to win it as well. You know, it's one thing being on the shortlist, but to actually be in contention to win it, I think both of them have done enough over the last 12 months to, to definitely be uh, considered to be part of that. If England won the Euros, I would have thrown him out. Oh, it's a tough I would have, I would have, and That's no one stopped one. me. Do you know what I mean? Eh? <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would have definitely thrown. It's purely based on Jorginho winning the Euros. I slightly so, agree, but had we beaten Italy in that final, I still feel like Mount's contribution to get to that yeah. final maybe wasn't as you know mm. impactful as Jorginho's when he got to the final. Yeah, so no, I agree with that. I agree yeah. with that. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I think it's Monday, so like I said, it could be a, a really long weekend if we lose to United. And then Messi's crowned Ballon d'Or. And then obviously we've got, yeah, we've got a long week to go. But we're going to beat United. Jorginho is going to win the Ballon d'Or. And we'll beat Watford on Wednesday as well. And we'll beat Watford on Wednesday. We we should beat Watford on Wednesday. Not that we will. We should should be beating them. But um, guys, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, you can find us from the shed then just give us a search and if you're looking for us on youtube as well you can also find us on there so like subscribe to search from the shed end on youtube google us you'll find us on all the social media platforms like subscribe comment all of that stuff we're all on everything we're just trying to be as busy as possible and and get get those numbers up so yeah give us a like make sure you comment as well that's the most important part comment 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 let us know your thoughts on what we've discussed today and anyone who's tuned in on the live stream we appreciate you coming on obviously man knows football i was on there yesterday brilliant channel brilliant content as well so make sure you check them out but this has been episode 38 from the shed End podcast theo haida thank you both for joining me as always thank you bro thank you pleasure so yeah we'll, we'll be doing this i'm sure next week or fear might not be. <laughs> nah, he'll be, he'll be here. I'll have my head up. Yeah, but we'll definitely be back some, at some point next week. I'm not going to give you guys a date, but we'll be back. And yeah, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week.